Welcome to Rogue History. <laughs> That's on recording. <laughs> Welcome to Rogue History. I'm Eggy. Uh, to the right of me, I have my good man, Beli. And across from him, we got two more good men. Yaz, aka Yasinator. Alex, aka Alex. <laughs> <laughs> dope. Um, so today we have a pretty dope episode lined up. We're going to start off with talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, but I really don't know much about it outside of what I read in Sapiens. And that is the agricultural revolution. And we're talking about the first one, not the second one in Britain, right? We're talking about the OG agricultural revolution. Uh, so I'm going to hand off the mic to, to Brian. Cool. So, yeah, like Eggy said, first agricultural revolution kind of started around like 12,000 years ago, 11, 12,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it basically was a change from a largely nomadic hunter-gatherer society to a sedentary agricultural herder types of societies. So okay. like different, different groups would become farmers, different groups would become herders, but the idea was they tended to stay in one area. Okay. So I know that there's no like written record of this, and a lot of it is based on like anthropology and... And, and archaeology. And archaeology. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, what do they credit mostly for that change like what made people say yo fuck it let's be sedentarian plant that's a really good question and so there are actually several theories for why it happened one of them is just uh that people just felt like they didn't want to walk anymore because they were just like, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can understand that dude we've been walking for like three thousand years let's just settle down guys yeah. and they became more sedentary and as a result um they just developed new techniques for for uh, agriculture and civilization. Um, what's, that's, but before you go on to the other one, what's funny about that one is that I like just looking back in retrospect, like now we're s- extremely overworked. So it's like that whole, yeah. I'm tired of walking. Let's just <laughs> Let's work make plans. <laughs> Let's just work yeah. hard as fuck yeah. and walk less. Yeah, funny you say that, though. Um, there's evidence to suggest that hunter-gatherer societies actually worked less for food yeah. um, than yeah. farmers and herders did um farmers and herders basically worked a full day Mm. day and night um pretty much every day to make sure they had the nutrition and hunter gatherers from archaeological evidence they actually could hunt like twice a week or three times a week maybe even less and they'd get enough food to like feed their whole tribe there's also more evidence to suggest that like those groups of people actually as a result of having more free time were more creative they were painting more. They were like talking to each other more. So they yeah. they were, They're having a lot. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and they're also having more sex. Dope. I, I wonder how they how they do that. Like they just like how did, could you tell they were having more sex? But whatever. We're gonna get back <laughs> yeah, to that's, that. That's, but yeah, what are the other prevalent theories for why the change happened? So uh, one theory is yeah. we were just tired of walking. Right. Yeah. What are the other like prevalent theories? Um, other theories are um, just the change in climate. Prior to 10,000 years ago, 12,000 years ago, uh, we were in this pretty like wet climate. It, we were coming out of an ice age, right? So all the ice melted, the glaciers receded, wetlands were everywhere. You know, like a lot of lot of plant life was was around, right? Yeah. Mm. Basically, it was like the perfect setting for abundant 
animal life, wildlife. So being a hunter-gatherer was easy. But then come around like 10,000 years ago, 12,000 years ago, the global climate actually started to dry. Um, and as a result, humans had to like find other means of getting food. You can sort of see this in the development and growths of civilizations across the world. Like you can see these human migration patterns, right? Like the oldest civilization that we know of um, was in the Fertile Crescent around there, right? Like Egypt area. Um, That's that strip club by Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I love the Crescent. way that sounds. The Fertile, the fertile Crescent. Crescent. That would be a good strip club yeah. name. <laughs> like it's closer more to like the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just Africa. generally that yeah, area, right? That area. Um, and that's then, the same thing that's called the cradle of civilization. Like that right, is all the same. Right. Yeah, and then uh, I think the next civilization to crop up was the Indus Valley civilization, right. which is in India, if that wasn't apparent. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then the one after that is China, around there, you know, around the Yellow River. Right. So, like, you can see, sort of historically, these human migration patterns. So that, that's pretty interesting to see. So what are uh, so. Two, the two prevalent theories are climate change and then also people just tired of walking. Yeah. And then there's, another one is... There's one that is my absolute favorite, and that was the third and final one I was going to bring up. Okay. Um, if you'll allow me this. <laughs> um, so there is this theory. Uh, I think it's fairly new, but it is centered around alcohol, booze. Ooh. Cool. Yeah. And you guys, pro- you guys might have heard this before. Go on. Maybe. <laughs> I've heard of alcohol. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. this theory goes. <laughs> I got some right here. That um, so humans have always, not always, but like have eaten grain as gatherers, right? And there's naturally yeast on these grains. So that's how, you know, that's how you actually get. Beer. Beer, yeah. Beer. Beer uh, or wines. Um, and the theory goes that like people eventually came to like this taste and like the buzz and as a result, they wanted to find ways to produce more grain mm-hmm. uh, because grain is kind of like not that easy to come by yeah. um, in the wild, in nature. Uh, so that's what actually propelled the agricultural revolution, like the, the movement from hunter-gatherer societies to these agricultural lists. So theoretically, we gave up a chill, low-hour workday and more like sex, creative and lifestyle. more sex experience. In exchange for working harder and partying harder. Yes. Okay. So Work just taking hard, both extremes hard. and pushing them further apart yes. from each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was. There's this funny bit in Sapiens <laughs> that was that was saying like we didn't domesticate grains, they domesticated us. Yeah. We no, like, specifically we, we, yeah, yeah. we, we like took we didn't domesticate wheat. We we yeah. domesticated us. Yeah, yeah, man, we did so much. And and I feel like that's where I want to go to next with that with the conversation in general, because it's it's the source of a lot of problems problems yes. yeah Dude, it's I'm a source the, of I'm a lot anti, of i'm anti-agricultural revolution but yeah yeah like are you anti-agricultural i don't like, that. I don't like the idea of it, why i think it, i think the agricultural revolution made us worse in the end because we went like brian pointed out earlier from like having less time to gather food to having spending more time to produce a higher output of food and like the diet that we produce is not necessarily the best diet there is a starch based diet is not like a diet that healthy compared to hunter gatherers had to hunt an animal they had to gather berries you know it's like a more agile like more active lifestyle sure you know sometimes maybe somebody hated walking at the end of it but like it was by far a better lifestyle. We were like the best peak yeah. physically. 
the, and, and hunter gatherers versus and like to farmers. just kind of like one little small point and that's actually how archaeologists determine like when a group of people became like agriculturalists from hunter gatherers is that they look at their bone profile mm-hmm. and see that their their like nutrition intake was actually decreased it's mm-hmm. like a poorer diet mm-hmm. that's yeah. how they determine that they've become um, farmers right. and not hunter gatherers. Fascinating. I didn't think about yeah. that. That sucks. So they're like, so their bones were stronger and like their yeah. their diets were better. They're yeah. warriors, man. They're like Spartans of the wild. And then we became could, farmers. Like, nah, I feel like some of them had to be just goofballs. You know what yeah, I mean? Sure. Like, there's room for everybody in society. <laughs> so it's like, even the hunter gatherers, like, there was probably a group of dudes that were like the ones going to hunt. And then, like, there was probably like a group of dudes that were just like chilling. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go berry picking, bro. Like, I'm not yeah, doing. I'm gonna, this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat that grain and get. Drunk. Yeah, like I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go berry picking. So, so you're anti agriculture revolution. What's your stance on that, Alex? Like, how do you feel about the agriculture revolution? I'm extremely pro. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna give you the Yaz argument on these. I'm gonna give you the contrarian argument on the agriculture revolution. I understand the like. Oh, I want to like chill in the sun and like hang out and like maybe go kill a bear and eat the bear meat. And <laughs> go kill a bear. Like, and you know, I I understand that. But let me list uh, some current benefits of society as it turned out. Uh, less rape. Less well, rape. There's. <laughs> Okay. We could assume there was that a sounds ton like a ton of rape yeah. during hunter gatherers. Yeah, that's right. Sex doesn't necessarily mean uh, consent yeah. on both sides. Yeah. So let's start with that. Lower child mortality. So yeah, I mean, someone might have six kids and like two will survive. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's kind of a bummer to lose kids. Surgery, corrective surgery specifically for people born with congenital illnesses. Allergy medication, which I take every single day. So if I was born back then, I would be just like constantly sick from like hay fever and shit like that. Um, So someone like me might not make it just based off allergies. Like, you know, um, flat-footed individuals like ourselves yeah. might not have such success chasing after uh, after these this game. This we wouldn't a, be chasers, a, though. That's, that's, that's yes. how I feel See, like but that's an, that's an assumption. You it don't is. know that there were like people allowed to be uh, uh, takers, you know, welfare mm-hmm. recipients of the yeah. hunter-gatherer system. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they wouldn't even be worth the sharing food with, you know? So, so I understand... Humans are brutal. So I understand that, like, for example... Farming and agriculture is very central to the development of larger right. social structures and cities and technology and, technology yeah. and all that. You so need do a you, surplus of food to do that. Right. You need a surplus so of food to be able to say, yeah, so you people concentrate doing on the things. other things. So you think that without that, there would have been no advancement of medicine or any of those I think there would have been some. And you can look at certain groups uh, and get like an idea of like maybe a hybrid society, like, yeah. you know, you can segment a population and have like half of them be hunter gatherers and the other ones kind of like be the farmers and stuff. But even then it becomes sedentary, like by definition, because you're not just like constantly moving. You do have to like drop roots somewhere. Mm -hmm. So a few more Uh, vaccines for things that wipe wipe people out, (laughs) Uh, being able to eat food from all over the world, which we all enjoy different types of cuisines. Imagine just eating the things that are where you're at. That could be pretty fucking boring. I mean, and yeah, you got to work hard for it, but that could be some boring ass, like eating boar every day, eating wheat or whatever, Mm. fruit that you find on a tree every single day. It's a good argument for traveling. That's why you travel. And travel is another one, yeah. But even being able to withstand nature's wrath, something like hurricanes, Mm -hmm. floods, earthquakes, volcanoes which killed a lot of people and one more uh i feel like those hunter and gatherers had some fucked up breath fucked up breath yeah being able to like oral hygiene is a big plus and not having your teeth rot out of your mouth is a big plus birth control 
I think we all enjoy birth control a little bit. Well, if you I, have sex with someone in the who's a gatherer chick, uh, she's gonna have a baby almost every time you guys get down. Well, I feel like the problem with the problem with these pros, right, is that basically take any current pro of society and you could use it as a pro for agricultural revolution, yeah. which is which is kind of unfair right. to to think about but it that way. Ha- because but would you get it? Like, would, you, would that outcome so, still exist? So here's I, the thing. That, yeah, go ahead, yeah. Sorry. Uh, like, my, so your argument is that, like, basically... Technology. The, the, the advancement of technology happened because of agricultural revolution. But there's no evidence to suggest that before the agricultural revolution, hunter-gatherers weren't smart. They knew everything about the land. They knew, they knew like, what mushrooms to eat, what berries are good for you, what medicinal values and stuff. But you stuff. hit a plateau eventually. Right. So, of where that u- becomes useful, but yeah. like okay, so agricultural revolution pro. In I my think, opinion, I think was, they were very smart. By the way, I do think they were right. like in, intelligent, but they had like their goals were like sure, you, I, short I, I, term goals. I'll give you that there there would have been a plateau at some point, but I don't. There's no there's no necessary argument to suggest that a plateau would have been a bad thing back then, because like the counter argument, which what you, if I can summarize what the pros are from your point of view is two pros, Col- uh, population expansion due to the agricultural revolution and pampering. People can be like, oh, I want to get oh. any fruit I want from any time of the world and stuff, which is like... I don't think pampering is not, the right I think term. I, I you've, think, evolved, you've evolved from sapien called it pampering. Yeah, yeah, but it's still not the right <laughs> term. Like, I don't think that the right term would be pampering. The right term would be like quality of life. Would quality be of life what is... Because you know? yeah. it's like if you need vaccines or right. if you need like allergy medication, right. I don't think it's pampering to take allergy medication. It's more... A quality of life enhancement. I, I just think that and it, equality. Well, see, that's that that's up for debate because yeah. I feel like the agricultural revolution is what fuels a lot of social hierarchies, right? Without that, you don't have a patriarchy. You don't have mm-hmm. people that need to work your land, etc. Like you don't have things like slavery mm-hmm. because uh, the agricultural revolution made that demand. Where it's like, okay, cool. now we're staying here and in here. We're going to develop these social structures to right. in this city, right? Well, you could argue that that all of that stuff, like social hierarchies, are just a product of like larger population, right? Yeah, like, exactly. You need population control, right? When exactly. you're like just a group of ten people, you can just be like, hey, you do this, you do this, you do this, done. End of story. Still, right, a pa- yeah. I mean, like or you know, like, even wolves have alphas. Like, there's still a patriarchy yeah, yeah. involved. It's a lot of smaller patriarchies instead of like one mega one. Right, right. But right. I, I will admit there's a lot of downsides to agricultural revolution. Totally mm-hmm. on board. Uh, to me, it's kind of like a necessary step in the evolution and development of humans to like a future goal. So like these are like current benefits. But if you think of like what, like in our episode, we talked about genetic and body modifications. Mm-hmm. Maybe all this that you guys are talking about right now is like a necessary detour to take right. humans to like... Uh, homo deus, you know, to like yeah. the actual future of what we're supposed to become, like space yeah. explorers. Right. See, and like this, this puts like, I feel like an, uh, it puts a bow on the current society. Like it makes it seem as if where we're at right now is the best place for us to be. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. I, I don't think we're at the best place. Well, well, no, yeah. we're, well, you think that we're better than we were though. I think that we're better than we would be right now had we never settled ever. So not I'm I not agree com- with that. I'm if, if I'm going to compare apples to apples like the year 2018. Yeah. Had we never settled and we just kept roaming and roaming and roaming. I think we're better off in 2018. If you Sorry. were to take like you know, you look at the Europeans when they reached the Americas, they had shorter lives than the natives who lived here. So in that case, that's a perfect example of like you'd find tribes that were nomadic and they would be healthier and live better lives and even like with certain ones 
have more equality than the Europeans who got here. So it right. kind of depends on like what fi- what step in the process you're coming in to observe. Right. But if you're looking at it like in 2018, uh, I do think it's better now than it would be then. If you go back to 1200, no, we would have been better off agricultural revolution or sorry, pre-agricultural revolution than we were in the Middle Ages. I I agree right. with that. Yeah. Right. See, like that's that's what I I guess that would be a a more fair comparison, right? Because yeah. if you talk about like you're talking about yo twelve thousand years ago uh, versus twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. like that's a un that's a very unfair comparison, right? Yeah. Like I think that a better comparison would be the initial change, like the first thousand years of like becoming farmers. Right. It's compared also, to pre that. It's also important to like recognize that we might all also have different definitions of what is better. Yeah. Like, do we mean better as society of humanity as a whole? You know, like I possibly the agricultural revolution could have been better as Yaz pointed out individually hunter gatherers were Were better, pretty much superior. And that's pretty much like without a doubt Mm -hmm. a fact. Um, Physically. Absolutely. Physically. Mentally. They had to be able to like track things. They had to like keep a mental map of where things were, where they found food. They had to be able to like map out, you know, like constellations to navigate. Mm -hmm. I couldn't fucking do that. You know, like I I can barely get around New York City and it's a grid, you know, (laughs) it's like straight lines. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, so these guys individually were superior to us, but collectively they're they would have been incapable of like massive projects like building the pyramids. Reaching the moon, reaching Mars. Right. Yes. We you need, we, yeah. Okay. You need you need to organize large swaths of people. Right. In, in order, order to, to achieve that. these sorts of yeah, like and, monumental and delegate, tasks. Delegate tasks to yeah. to what better. If you suits. got a bunch, so, if you got like a okay. hundred hunters, how are they going to build a rocket ship? You know. Right. I have a counter argument, but like in in terms of like what you pointed out earlier for um, animal domestication. Hmm. Right. So this is a quote from Yuval Harari from Sapiens. And I wanted to bring it up for like um, animal domestication. Yeah. Just just to put this on the record, I disagree with that guy quite a lot, but I do like his book. I love his book. Books. Yeah. I like both. Books, um, yes. But yeah, I, I do occasionally disagree. With yeah. I mean, you know, it's normal God. to agree and disagree with people, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, yeah. I, I know what you guys are talking about. Anyways, so the quote goes, if you took all the people in the world and put them on a large set of scales, their combined mass would be 300 million tons, all the people in the world, right? If you took all the domesticated farm animals, cows, pigs, sheep, you know, chickens and all that, and placed them on an even larger set of scale, the weight will be 700 million tons. Now, if you put all the wild large animals, porcupine, penguin, elephants, and whales, the total amount will be 100 million tons. So it's less than humans and domesticated animals combined. For every 80,000 giraffes in the world, you know how many cattle are there? 1.5 billion cattle. 200,000 wolves in this world. You know how many domesticated dogs? 400 million. So from an evolutionary point, domesticated animals are a success story because they live longer, they spread around and stuff compared to their wilder animal, you know, counterparts. Yeah, but they're so totally. sad. Yes, that's the point. You know, they're like, they're so, they're living the crappiest life. Like a chicken coo is miserable and stuff. Yeah. So from, but like, if you, you, yeah. So we always tell, you know, people tell their kids about, oh, check out these big animal books on giraffes and lions, but there's not many of them out there. It's like we're living in an animal kingdom of dogs and cattle. I, I agree, and I, I love animals, yeah. and I, I like really uh, want to make this point about the future of where this is going. So first off, 
Uh, I think it's pathetic how we treat a lot of these animals. And, and I agree that like they wouldn't be treated that way. They wouldn't even have these numbers if it wasn't for the agricultural revolution. But just now we're starting to be able to synthesize protein and meat and 3D print lab-grown meat that one day, it's not great yet. I've heard people talk about what it tastes like. It's not amazing. But one of these days, we're going to get to the point where it tastes just like the real thing or even better because we could just build it to be however we want it to be. And then we can leave these animals the fuck alone. And then we can reach a point where we're not, we don't have these like kill, you know, we don't have to kill anything at a certain point if we go far enough, which we'd never, ever get to that point if we didn't, uh, you know, start settling. Have you guys ever had the lab-grown meat? No, I, I have had no. fake meat have you? that's pretty yeah. good. Where did you have that? Um, you look at us like, duh, like, of course I've had it. What the fuck? I don't yeah. know where the fuck you get lab grown meat at. I can't at. remember this. Fucking look at me like that. But there's a. <laughs> wait, I'll you, need to look it up. You but I got a burger. Wait, wait, yeah. do you mean lab grown meat or impossible burger? The beef? impossible burger. Oh, that's yeah, not lab grown. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was. I lab have had that. No, that's not meat, though. That's like. Oh, vegan. Oh, it's made from vegetables. Yeah, um. there's the Impossible Burger. <laughs> I don't laugh, grow me. You plebes. Even the Impossible Burger, though, it tastes fine. It tastes yeah, really good. It's yeah. not yeah. meat, though. Yeah. It's right. not so, so there's meat. there's the Impossible Burger but and the Beyond good. Burger, yeah. which yeah. anyone could have, and it's it's great. They're both made out of different things, but neither of them are actual protein. The, what I'm talking about is where they're actually well, no, being able... Not animal, well, not like animal meat I'm sorry, protein, yes, right? they're not made of... Right, correct. I said that wrong. They're made out of like... Some like other plant yeah, plant protein or something. Yeah. And uh, they're both delicious. I, I think they're great. They're not cheap yet. I, I look forward to the day when they can make them cheaper. Uh, but what I'm talking about is actual fat that's mm-hmm. made in a lab. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's like, it's only like two years old at this point. It's like extremely exclusive and they're still working on it. I wish I could remember the name of it. But one of these days, like they're just going to 3D print like, you know, like intertwined structures of, of, of fake meat that you can eat that'll be better than anything they have now like eventually it'll be better right not yet well eventually to to, to expand on your point and why I, I like that kind of point is because let's i like to subscribe to the like the idea that we want to expand to the you know space and stuff and if you want to expand to space and you know you want to feed a population in space they can't feed them me because you're not going to fucking you know like <laughs> carry the cattle on a spacex <laughs> journey yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so like Lab-grown meat is very interesting. Mushroom-based, you know, protein that tastes like meat is going to be, like, used a lot in the future. And, I, you know, I, I like the idea of, like, lab Oh, it's meat. called, it's called uh, in vitro meat. <laughs> they got to work on their marketing for it. That cult- sounds cult- delicious. Cult- cultured meat. Cultured. Yeah. It's like a high culture. Meat. Yeah, yeah. Well, back to, back to your point about the uh, domesticated animals mm-hmm. versus wild animals, right? It's like we can all agree that chicken in a coop are significantly less happy yes than a wild bird yeah Yeah. miserable yeah but but see like how could you then be pro agriculture revolution because it feels like now us humans we're the chicken in the coop Mm -hmm. like but do you i mean like versus the wild animals being hunters and gatherers like that that is the way that i equated in my brain because i feel like i can't even begin to like try to understand how their society worked when they Mm. were hunter-gatherers because it's all like theory and i feel like even when we're thinking about it now we're thinking about it through the lens of our world now right right? so it's like but it feels like wild animals versus domesticated animals would be the fair comparison like that's why that's why it's important to like recognize and like identify what you determine is better like are you individually better off are you happier as a result of the agricultural revolution probably not but humanity as a whole, we've achieved a lot more 
than what a hunter-gatherer society could have. And I think that's like kind of undeniable. Right. A lot of this stuff that we have developed technologically is a result of like, yeah, war tech, like gunpowder, you know, that's kind of in a way uh, the predecessor of like, uh, you know, like creating rockets, yeah. you know, like as we were burning shit and we're like, oh, you know, let's, let's see how we can launch a giant block of metal into space. Um, but yeah, you know, like hunter-gatherer societies could not have achieved that. Were they happier? Hell yeah. They were like working less, having sex all the time, doing art, doing podcasts yeah. without so, mics. So I'm a hundred percent with you. With it's, a like a, rocks. it's a point of like deciding between, hey, do you want to live a happy life of ignorance in the wild with your tribesmen or mm -hmm. like go to this little object in space that you keep looking up at night, you know, and figure yeah. out how to build it. And I think if you stuck to the hunter-gatherer, you wouldn't give a shit about like going to Mars and shit, you know. I mean, that's, I like that's I would, the plateau. That is yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like I I I love the idea of humanity expanding. You know, like start trying to avoid the comet that might come and end us all. You know, like the expansion and technological advancement. But like, but you feel that's like a necessary consequence then, and not really like our fate, if you will. I'm just saying that it's like, sure, it's a necessary consequence, but like you said, like humanity as a whole were better because of the agricultural revolution. Sure, as like, if you wanna measure it in terms of like a milestone, but yeah. like health-wise, we're not, man. We're like- Totally not. I mean, like any any kind of like thing that we're doing, like the, the diet that we're eating is just not good for us. It's well, like what, all, do you, what do you define as health though? Okay, so anything like, anything from the agricultural revolution, like a starch-based diet, bread, um, like wheat in general, like all these pastas and stuff, like basically carbohydrates and stuff. That for me, in my opinion, is it's not a fully healthy diet. With the hunter-gatherers, hunter what they did was like a more carnivore diet with like maybe collecting berries and nuts and all that. But like it was more a high protein, high fat kind of diet. And that's what, like, so for me now, even though I have a problem with the agricultural revolution, what I try to do best is try to adopt the kind of lifestyle the hunter-gatherer would, without necessarily going to find an animal in the wild to hunt. I was just like, I'd yeah, rather... Yeah, is just wearing a loincloth right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, close, close your legs Awkward. there. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm in Khal Drogo mode, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's, um, like, what I try to do is just, like, try to eat more meat. I mean, I know it's, like, there's a problem with, like, ethical meat and you know, stuff like that, but, like, I'm trying to, you know do all that, trying to minimize the amount of starch that was a result of the agricultural revolution and just try to, you know, be more active and stuff. So there's another way to look at health. Like if you're born with some kind of congenital illness or some kind of disability, like, are you healthier? You know, like if someone, if someone's born and unable to walk, Sorry, you know, can I just, wow, wow, wow. Genital? Congenital. None of us have genitals and we're better off for it. <laughs> yeah, no, but like if you're if you're born, yeah. So like if you're a healthy person who would have risen to the top, yeah, absolutely, you'd be better off in yeah. that world. If you're anyone other than that, uh, maybe not so much. Right. You know, like if you if you have a disability, you're fucked in that world. And like I said, child mortality. Like you probably have like more than half of your kids just die before they even reach the age of four. So yeah, I mean, better for some, and really shitty for most people that were yeah. that that are born. Not the ones that make it. The ones that make it obviously had to be like the most battle-hardened people ever. They right. had to be like the top of the top. But everyone else was just like kind of fucked. Well, but like you, you're assuming that because I'm like a, one of us is like a battle-hardened guy. If I hunt, I'm hunting for myself and the one who's like 
sick is not going to get any food or anything. But like the way it works, it's just like hunters hunters get it for like the tribesmen and people share it as a group. While everyone else has other duties like the gatherers, you know, they gather the berries and stuff while the hunters did other stuff. Yeah, but so. there's no one to invent the wheelchair. You see what I'm saying? Well, so like, yeah, you I can mean, get someone to get food for you, but not to actually make it so that you can get around and do your whole day. Like you can't get someone to learn heart surgery to fix your heart defect. You can get someone to like give you some berries, I guess, but you're still going to die from that uh, mm-hmm. from that heart defect. So I'm saying like to actually fix you, you right. need civilization. See, I'm not entirely sure that there wasn't someone inventing wheelchairs, though. Like that's that's the part that it's like 12,000 years ago. Like I, I, we I don't know. Maybe proof of it. You think we'd have some proof of it? Tool, well, we have tools. Per, we have proof like, of the tools they used. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if they did invent it, we haven't found it yet. Yeah, Obviously, there's I feel something like to this, discover every day. Yeah, there's something. So. I, I don't know. Like, I just... It, uh, I guess this this is what we could leave listeners with. What we could leave listeners with is that 12,000 years ago, some motherfuckers decided to start planting shit. And it was yeah. either because there was a lot less animals to hunt. Right. You know what I mean? We just left the Ice Age. Yeah. It's not... Yeah, it's not muddy anymore. Yeah. They're like, yo, I'm tired of all this walking. Or they discovered the magical healing power of alcohol. Right. And they were like, yo, everything is better with alcohol. All we got to do is plant this all day. Oh, yeah. Um, and then from that, eventually, there was a they created the, the cornerstone of modern society, which is a surplus of food. So once they were able to create that surplus, everything else was kind of built on that. You know, right. cities, inventions, rocket ships. Yeah microphones podcasts the internet uh so all that stuff came out after that but the real question is like how do you measure better right i know that you pointed that out is how do you measure better so i guess that's the the real question like to think about is like back then individually they were happier collective they're in happier not happier individually individually they were healthier um as a group they were at the mercy of this planet which we have now put this planet at our mercy. Sometimes uh, we're still at the mercy of the planet. And yeah, as you I like think, to say, we're not. Yeah, we're not planet. from here. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're we not, got not, here and we're like, oh, give me like 20,000 years. Yeah, yeah. They were like, hold up. <laughs> you know, I don't find. I think wholly the, the planet's at our mercy. Like, does, does it do some yeah. shit sometimes to fuck with us? Sure. Yeah. But like, we. We own this. We can push that big red button and just wipe everything to Kingdom Come. Yeah. So I'm going to give my argument a big caveat. If we end up annihilating ourselves with nuclear war, I'm as wrong as anyone could ever be about the agricultural (laughs) revolution. So the ends do kind of like, (laughs) like if we make our own extinction level event. Alex was wrong, guys. Like, yeah, absolutely wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Remember this moment. (laughs) If you managed to survive it. Yeah. Um. All right. So moving right along here. Uh, we're we're sticking to the the whole people and socially and mo- social development and Mother Earth and like pre recorded history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I want to get into smoking. Mm-hmm. And so my I I know we had the initial episode where we just took a view at, at like how far back we view history. Right. So it's like my understanding of smoking is from smoking cigars and mm-hmm. cigarettes, nineteenth century. That's about as far back as right. like my comprehension goes on it. Like, I don't know how people were smoking prior to then. So I, I would probably start off 19th century, maybe like 1880. Uh, this dude, uh, uh, an American inventor. Oh, wait, his name is J- James Albert Bonzac. Bonzac. Uh, yeah. He invents the cigarette rolling machine, which took uh, the tedious task of rolling cigars and made it 
a machine that rolls 200 cigarettes a minute. Wow. Right? And that was in 1880. And then the rise of the cigarette came because the working class were able to now go out and afford cigarettes. It mm -hmm. became affordable. Uh, you didn't need a whole cigar anymore. You didn't need to pay this abundant amount. And it kind of took off from there. It became a social status of the working class. It was just like, yo, here's a cigarette. Mm -hmm. And um, the bourgeois of the late 19th century, the turn of the century, uh, to kind of step away from the stuffy, antiquated way of thinking of Europe in the 19th century, they started to take up cigarettes as kind of like a stance against that, against the bourgeois culture of the mm -hmm. time. Uh, and then needless to say, that bled into the artwork and right. the movies and everything that was being made at the time to become this so, sort of like social symbol, right? Because when you see someone with a cigarette, it's um, it, it means more than just High here's class. a person smoking a cigarette, right? So at, at one point, it meant really low class. Right. And then it kind of it became very chic. In the in the twentieth century, <laughs> like people were smoking cigarettes, like pe doctors were recommending cigarettes right. for lung exercises. You know what I mean? Day keeps the doctor away. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? To then eventually it becoming again kind of like super subculture in a way because I I don't right. know how it is all over the rest of the country, but at least in New York City they've managed to turn cigarettes right. into like it's completely demonic now, right? Like you will get judgment eyes if you light a cigarette. Anywhere where there are people, really? you know what in I mean. New York? In New York? Wait, here you said? Yeah, in New York. Damn. New York City. Yeah, New York City is the capital of not smoking. Really? Oh yeah, like they I took a know. harsh, harsh stance. No, against like, you smokers. mean like like a lot of it's like indoor smoking? No, I mean even outdoor. I okay. think that they're working on on passing a fine for wow. smoking outdoors. Yeah, like, I, like, I feel yeah. like it's coming back now for for smoking and walking. Yeah. I think is the fine. Oh, okay. oh, you gotta walk. No, you can't walk. No, you can't walk and smoke. You gotta stand while you. I you mean, have yeah, to that, stand while you smoke. And you also first. need to like keep like ten feet or something like that away from public buildings. Yeah, some shit like that. It's, no one, no one really observes that rule though. Yeah, yeah, like I, it seems like an odd thing to enforce, yeah. but um, yeah. but <laughs> as a as a as a person who smokes cigarettes, right? I I have to say that there is something weird about smoking yeah. that makes me feel like it goes deeper deeper right? than just oh someone invented a cigarette machine mm. now we could oh, all smoke sure, yeah. so do you guys have any insight on other smoking from 12,000 years ago mm. <laughs> like is this right. i'm gonna go back to um uh like the middle east um asia area not okay. like china i'll leave china to you if you want to talk about china but I, yeah i don't really know too much oh. about that <laughs> but like i'll start off I want to start off with the hookah. The, oh, the yeah. The origin of the hookah. So Dominican Republic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Dominican Republic <laughs> slash India. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how it works because I also think of it as a Caribbean thing, but I know it's obviously yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, like I know it isn't, <laughs> it's but it's ours not, now. But it feels All like right. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that show. Hookah was invented in 1500s India under um, uh Akbar I, who was the emperor of uh, the Mughal Empire in India. So what happened then was um, the British Empire came to India with uh, a lot of Jesuit priests, and they introduced tobacco to India. And and this was the British in the 1500s, you said? Yeah, they moved, uh, they, like the British Empire, they, they distribute, uh, what do you call it, tobacco over there. Um, and then his, uh, the emperor's physician looked at that tobacco and he invented because they had they had like glass making techniques he invented the hookah 
with the tobacco because he argued that smoking tobacco on its own is not good for you. Mm-hmm. But if you purify it with water, <laughs> it would make it better, which is obviously a false argument. But it was it was really I interesting. I could understand water, yeah. like looking at water and being like, that cleans everything. Yeah, but you know, it cleans your that, lungs. Like, what's that like dark stuff that builds up in hookah water? Is that just tar? Yeah, yeah it's tar. But like it's better to... But it makes it like it decreases the temperature of your hookah. Right. Right. So they invented that and like it suddenly became this magnificent thing. But back then it was only tobacco. Like you're smoking like actual heavy tobacco. There was no flavors or anything. It's only when it was exported through Persian to the Middle East that a drum. People started like, hey, let's add molasses to it. What year, what year is this again? Uh, 1500. And then that's when it was, uh, you know, invented in India. And then after that, it started moving in. 16th century, I love that. Yeah. So after that, they started um, adding flavors to it in the Levant area. And then it became the popular thing that is today because it expanded from the Levant with all these handmade molasses. What is the Levant? The Levant is like the area like uh, east of the Mediterranean. Okay. Yeah, Syria, Lebanon. That's where Yaz's people are from. Levantine. Levantine. Got it. Right. And then, yeah, so that became a more innovative way of, like, smoking flavored tobacco. Lemon mint. <laughs> but, but, like... Yeah, um, pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> Lemon mint is my favorite. Um, but before, before, you know, the introduction of the hookah into the Middle East, what they had was the smoke was hash, hashish. And the discovery of hashish was really interesting because there's... Um, there's um, is that the, weed? Okay, so I'll, yeah, I'll go over. It's from the same plant called cannabis. But hashish, uh, like the hash, is just like a powerful resin that coats the plant and the leaves during really hot season in order to retain all of its water so the water doesn't evaporate. So it, and that resin is where dreams are made of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a written, that's a written. <laughs> right? So, like, the story of that discovery, you loved our story, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, Sufi, like, you know, the discovery of hash in Persia was under a man called Haidar, who was like the leader of a Sufism tech, uh, sect of Islam. They're like a mystical order of Islam back then. And they, you know, they're like, they do these weird, weird ass crazy dances and like they believe in like, like meditation and all that shit. They're like the hippies of Islam. They're like the unwanted. The ones that people are like, ah, oh, man, these guys, they don't have a job. They smoke weed all day. They're like <laughs> the hippies of 1960s back in the mystical Islamic era. So anyway, the founder of them was a man, man named Haidar. And he was known to be a guy who, like people, you know, his friends will come up to him, hey, man, you want to hang out tonight? Like, nah, man, you know, like, I want to, you know, keep to myself. You know, I don't want to hang out with you guys, you know. So he was very private and stuff. And the, he, he wouldn't let his friends over into his house. But one day, he came up to them, hey, guys, you know, like, you guys want to come, come over? You want to hang out? And they're, like, looking at him. He was, like, in a really good mood. And they're, like, they wondered why. Like, okay, let's go over to his place, I guess. They go to his place, and he invited them into his house and all that. And they're, like, why are you in your good mood today? Like, what happened? And he's, like, oh, I discovered this plant. <laughs> Where dreams are made of. <laughs> Where dreams are made And I'm, like, and I tried it, and it just changed my life. I was just walking around. I saw this plant, this cannabis plant, in the wind, like, beautifully moving in the heat and wind. And I'm, like, I have to taste it. So he grabs his, like, leaf, and he's, like, taste it. And then later on, he just gets really high from the hash. <laughs> and then he's, like, oh, man, I've been really anti-social to my friend. I should invite them over. <laughs> 
me. You so this won't. was a sativa. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> he, he invited. Yeah. So after that, I really, like tell them guys, but you promised not to tell anyone about this, right? And then like it was supposedly a secret among their practices and stuff, but then it expanded. People now you have Lebanese blonde, which is in one type yeah. of hash, and Morocco has another type of hash. And what what year was that, or what time period was that? Like what century? Hmm, I think it's funny that his name was Haidar. <laughs> um, I did not put that together. <laughs> it was like in the mid-1300s. Mid-1300s? So it's like his name was actually Dar, and the high was just Dar. added. Yo, that's like, we all Dar. Love, Dar. Yeah, that's high. We love Haidar. He stays Dar. like, <laughs> Yo, Haidar, man. He, yo, he's, high, he's high all Dar. So, <laughs> you know, that, that, so that takes us to the 13th century, right? So mid-13th we're still... Century. Yeah, so mid-13th century. So that means that we've been smoking for a while now, right? Yeah. Like just all different types of things that we could mm. light up and inhale right so then that begs the question like where where did where did that start like do we have any idea where where it started like where did people say let me start ingesting some smoke i did a little bit of light reading on the history of this just because yeah. like i don't have i'm not a smoker i don't yeah. have like a real you know understanding of what it is so for what i've been reading a lot of it started with this whole mythical um, following belief that like fire was holy, oh, and smoke was whoa, produced from whoa, fire. You're pulling fuck, the gods yo, into your brain. Yeah, yo, we gotta Brian, light up the fire right Brian, now, Brian. So, that light reading you did is already expanding my brain. Dude, yeah, yeah. So please continue. <laughs> so it kind of like started with you know fire. Obviously, kept you warm at night in the winters, things like that. Right? Um, they bring it into their homes and they'd feel the smoke they'd see the smoke enveloping them within their homes right? yeah um and then somewhere along the way shamans came to like utilize fire as some sort of like method of communicating with the gods yeah um and then further down that they used smoke as a medium oh and you know what i'm thinking too road. like uh carbon monoxide poisoning yeah yeah so it's like you could they're def- they're definitely getting high off that oh, shit totally, so yeah, it's yeah. like if you put a fire like an open fire yeah in like a small a small space where they're living in, like, is they could well, go in there, yeah, come I mean, back with all sorts of hallucinations exactly, and fucking yeah. things, and it's like, yo, I, I, I smoked the fire, and mm-hmm, right. I, I'm throwing up because God is inside me. Yeah, and I know he's I taking all the know. evil out yeah, of me. <laughs> that's all the evil leaving my body. Damn, Thanks, God. Yo, we've been making fun of ancients. Like, <laughs> all right, so yeah, please continue. Uh, but yeah, no, that's pretty much it. And you know, they started burning incense and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like frankincense. Nice. And, Biblical context, I guess. I think that's a type of incense. Somewhere down the line, they started smoking weed and tobacco. Right. So that so it's like so we were smoking fire at first. Right. Inhale. I could get behind that. Like we were just like, yo, let's inhale this smoke, and then eventually, right, mix and matching. Somewhere along the lines, they found tobacco. They found hash. Yeah. And And it it all started with fire being holy. Wow. Holy. Yo, Brian, did they invent hot boxing back then? They didn't boxing. invent it. They stumbled upon it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like much of everything. Yeah. It's like, like uh, guys, if we contain it. <laughs> yo, I'm I'm kind of blown away by that because I, I always champion fire as the greatest invention of all of like all time. Agreed. Totally. Thank um, you, Prometheus. Yeah, seriously. Good looks. <laughs> well done. Um and I know that we didn't invent fire because it's natural. Blah, 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 blah. I'm talking about like being able to have fire at will. Like now I just carry fire in my pocket. We invented like fire making. Yeah. Like on command. Like, yeah. Like on fire. Command. <laughs> yeah. Like we were just like, boom, what happened? 
damn, that helped clear that out a lot because I find smoking to be one of the most like, even if you're not a cigarette smoker or whatever the case is, I feel like hookah is attractive. I feel like just yeah, smoking, smoke yeah, like smoking, smoking smoker. joints is attractive. Mm-hmm. Like just smoking in general is attractive to us as humans. Like it's yeah. it's almost like in our nature to want to smoke things. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm not a I'm not big on on smoking. I used to smoke cigarettes in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I do smoke other stuff, but we'll put that aside for now. Um, <laughs> save that for a save that episode. for a different episode. But smoking, you know, tobacco, like the, the, the what you're talking about. Uh, even as someone who doesn't like it, my girl smokes cigarettes and she hand rolls them. And I gotta say, the first day we went on, when she pulled out the tobacco and started rolling it, I was like, "Yeah, this girl's pretty cool." <laughs> like, so even even though I'm not, <laughs> even hell. though I don't like smoking, I still am like entranced by it. And one more, like I grew up, you know, like my family's Cuban, so they all smoke cigars, like kind of in my eye, they always like kind of glorified cigars a little too much. Like to them, it's like such a like routine, like finding the right cigars and all that kind of stuff. And like back in the day when it was harder to find Cuban cigars, like knowing the guy that could connect you to the Goiba or the Romeo Julieta or like whatever. And I was always kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Like I'd smoke one every once in a while, but I was always like, you guys are a little too like on this shit for cigars. Like it's fine, but it's not that great. But then whenever I've been to a cigar lounge or a cigar bar, I'm like, yo, this is tight as hell. Cause like the communal aspect of smoking with other people, the culture around it is great. And like, even as someone who doesn't like it, I fucking love it. Like when I'm around it in the right circumstance, it's great. Like I could find a girl attractive for smoking. I could find like, you know, I can become friends with someone I probably wouldn't have a reason to talk to in a cigar lounge. Yeah. Um, and that's as someone who's not even that into it. So obviously it has like a powerful influence. Yeah, it feels like there's a very powerful cultural dynamic to right, it yeah. because even in, to, in today's world, yo, like, all right, so I I wasn't a heavy, like I didn't start smoking regularly until like uh, I worked at a restaurant, right? right? And this is a microcosm of that same effect is the fact that in the restaurant, and you see this all the time, people that smoke get to take mad breaks. Right, yeah. Not even it's at so restaurants, true. just so at true. jobs in general. Like yeah. here, like... The, the people, I work at Buspo, yeah, I, I can relate. Yeah, so it's like, and, and jobs in general, people that smoke just get to take mad breaks. Right, yeah. So it was like, yo, I want to take breaks, the fuck? Like, how come they could just get up <laughs> three times an hour and just go do some other shit for yeah, 10 man. minutes? And like, it's like you're taking three 10 minute breaks an hour. That's quite a bit of time off, you know? So then, but but that's a microcosm of the, of the larger picture that you're painting where it's like smoking seems to be something that is very good for social expansion. Like just mm-hmm. like, yo, let's just sit down, smoke this. And if you're just sitting there and smoking... And you're with a person, y'all gonna talk. You know what I mean? And it's like the conversation is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Or bumming someone a cigarette. Right. It's yeah. like instant friends, you know? Right. Conver- it's like in- conversation <laughs> started. Yeah. yeah, instant. In- instant true. friendship. <laughs> but go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, I mean, I met a lot of friends by smoking. When back when I used to smoke a pack a day for mm-hmm. five years, I met most of my, you know, people I know standing outside, you know. How like many cigarettes are in a pack? 25 in Canada, but you can buy the 20 25. Pack. You can, there's 25 and 20. Yeah. Odd number, yeah. There's uh, 20 here, but then a pack will last me like two weeks. Oh, no. Oh, that's my, good. So, so you're, like you have a healthy cigarette habit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That sounds like yeah. an oxymoron. Big, big quotes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, if, like, if you could keep like it at less day, than three a day, I, I think e- even technically that's not considered yeah. like enough to actually kill you. Yeah. So, like, basically. Really? Yeah, less than three cigarettes, like individual cigarettes a, a day. I mean, it might contribute <laughs> oh, yeah, to other yeah, things, but yeah. it won't like, I mean, okay. 
anything's possible with your genes. Like if right. you're if you're prone to like lung cancers, it could be a little different. But generally speaking, if I remember correctly, two to three cigarettes a day is not enough to actually like give you lung cancer necessarily. Not necessarily. But the problem is that people, yeah, like not not generally speaking, it's possible. Uh, but most people don't. Most people don't have the impulse control to smoke two or three. So if you could smoke less than three a day, you're doing fine. Yeah. yeah. So basically, what I'll do is I limit it to two days a week oh. for like just smoking. So you go ham two days a week. I don't go ham those two days, but like I, yeah. I limit it to two days. So it's like I don't do it at work. So it's like that's why like you were like, oh, wait, you're a smoker. Yeah. Like I don't smoke at work because right, I yeah. don't like smelling like cigarettes. I don't smoke if I'm going to like see my girl. If right, I'm going to yeah. go to like a social event, I try not to. Uh, maybe like if I'm at like a, a bar or some right. shit like that, I'll have a couple. But so I try to limit it that way because it, it, it there is no healthy way to right. smoke. But all right. Tangents. I'm yeah, tangent. Like we're walling tangential, tangential, <laughs> tangent. The point is that uh, I'm glad that we touched on 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 smoking because see, my understanding of it went back to the 19th century and like the invention of like mm -hmm. the cigarette rolling machine, and then that's when cigarettes became uh, something that was packaged and sold. Right, turn right. of the century, and it became very affordable for everyone. Okay. Um, but then you could we go back another 500 years from that, and then we're talking about the invention of the hookah. Right. Uh, so the British bring tobacco, tobacco to India. Right. Indian glassmakers designed this hookah to kind of filter it through water, mm -hmm. which inevitably we didn't touch on, but that probably led to the bong. Yeah. yeah the bong. Man. Fucking Indian glassmakers. God bless you all. <laughs> um, and then even before that, we had, what was Hash. his name? Hi Dan? Hi Dar. Hi Dar. Okay, Hi Dar, the leader of the Persian movement called Sufism. Yes. Yeah. From so and then oh, so this is where Sufi comes from. Okay. Like Sufism is like you know these guys are like they're, they're, yeah, they yeah, yeah. in a circle with it's the like powders and stuff. Yeah. Like the body powders. Yeah, but they have this thing that they turn. Around. I Dude, love this. Yeah, man, I, I wish you, I you wish watched the video. The listener man, could watch Yaz's little dance that yeah, he's man. doing. With I thought we were recording it on video. You oh, okay, true, yeah, true. yeah. So we're like, <laughs> it's like YouTube. you look at that kind of dance, man. Be like. These motherfuckers are on hash. Mm. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And then he, and that was like in the 13th century. And right. then the one that really blew my mind, because I've always suspected that people have this love of, humans have this love affair with ingesting smoke. And it actually, in my brain, without any further knowledge than you saying it, Brian, I completely subscribe to the idea that fire was looked at as holy and inhaling it mm -hmm. was... In essence, inhaling God, you know what I mean? God's essence. Yeah, like you're, you're God's like breath. Essence. Like you're like, you know what I mean? You're armpit. inhaling God's yeah. breath. Yeah. And it's obviously, you know, now we could look at it as like carbon monoxide poisoning and they were getting well, high as shit that's off yeah, that. It's just like the liberal kind of brainwash. You don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go home and smoke some fire. Like <laughs> I'm just start inhaling that shit. Uh, but I guess that, so that was good, man. That was a great learning experience. Yeah. Great learning experience. And... Can I add to that? Yeah. Um, Hell sorry. yeah, no, bro. Brian, sorry. Please yeah. keep blowing my mind. <laughs> I'm going to interject. Um, <laughs> interject. So like, kind of like just to get onto that whole, you know, like burning fire and then like connecting it with the holiness of the smoke being holy and the fire being holy and all that. And the use of tobacco specifically, actually. So tobacco, from my light reading, has been in use in like uh, Central America, roughly around there. That's kind of like where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like since 5000 BCE. Holy balls. 
So it it was been it's been in use for a long time before it was introduced to the rest of the world. Wow, that's that's also what turned. Uh, I'm going to go on a tangent off your sure. tangent yeah. really quick. Go ahead. That's uh, arguably what made the colonies uh, wealthy enough to even yeah. rebel in the first place is being able to export something that everybody wanted. Exactly. Everybody wanted that tobacco. They had the monopoly. That cotton and that tobacco is what made like those colonies like wealthy. Yeah, and, and they sugar. were just getting bled and sugar, of yeah. course. And they were getting bled dry and from slaves. the British, but uh, not yeah. to be somber about it <laughs> but and slaves Edgar's right and it's always it's always worth remembering <laughs> yeah the, that's the, a big the one made him yeah. the power but you know kind of get back to all my okay, tangents and slaves guys one of the original methods of consuming uh, tobacco smoke was to actually get in a hut and burn it on a fire so Ooh. that's hot boxing that's so hot they invented boxing. hot boxing Amen. yeah uh, the and then the other, the other ancient method of doing it is actually like this. It's kind of like a pipe, but it looks, <laughs> yeah, it's like a Y-shaped pipe. A Y-shaped pipe. Yeah, it kind of looks like a stethoscope in a way, uh, right? but those two ends actually don't go in your mouth, but they, into your nostrils. What? And you just inhale it through you your nose. just face that yeah. shit. Damn, it's like dude. smoking after you get like a wisdom tooth removed. Yeah. <laughs> you just hit the, hit the joint Hell from your nostril. <laughs> Yo, speaking of the joint, yeah. speaking of the joint, Brian, can you pass it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, just to keep in line with Mother Earth and everything that she's taught us, and right. and everything that we've learned, and how she taught us to inhale smoke, and how she taught us that that fire is going to get you nice and high, and how they taught us that if we make wheat, we will eventually have vaccines. Uh, this all goes back to, to, and I love that the conversation has been going back and back and back in time because it sets us up perfectly for today's PopCon. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. It's a conspiracy. Uh, yeah, so in our PopCon, we, we look over popular conspiracies and not just conspiracies, but then also just popular theories right. um, and, and things to, to, to look at that may not necessarily be grounded historically, but it, it there, there, there has some historical basis for it. And uh, today's PopCon is the stoned ape theory. All right. So on the stoned ape theory, it was proposed by a man. Um, he was a doctor in ethnobotany botany and psychedelic advocate. His name was Terence McKenna. Really popular if you look him up. Um, he, he wrote a book called Food of the Gods and in it he proposed that what enabled Homo erectus any jokes on that? No? Which was like our ancestors from 1.8 million years ago and how they evolved to Homo sapiens which is us now. He proposed that we encountered Homo erectus encountered psychedelic mushroom or psilocybin and by in, by taking it it you know it enhanced their consciousness from the animal mind into a mind where that is more coherent with like written language and like um articulated speech and imagination and um so how did they come upon psilocybin and the theory goes that um famously psilocybin this is like kind of like uh not like kind of gross thing. It grew in cow poop, and like our ancestors, Homer. Rex, was it specifically cow poop? Cow poop. Really? It's like he, Terrence McKenna. Yeah, I was like when I read that part, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, because I've always heard that. Like growing but, up, growing up, it, it, it was like um. So they they try to keep us away from the hard drugs. Right. So it's like it's like we we like it was like yo, you could do weed, everything else kills you. Um, and they always told us it's like a fear 
tactic. Like, yo, you know, mushrooms, they grow in doo-doo. They do. But, yeah. like, not our doo-doo, but, like, yeah. like, wild cattle. You see, in Florida, kids will go onto ranches and try to find it. So that deterrent really? did not yeah. work. Yeah, I mean, you got ranches. And, yeah. like, it's, it's dark Wait, and late. Wait, so does it just... Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. We're, we're getting too entangled sorry, sorry, in sorry. cow poop. <laughs> but but so go, psilocybin yeah. grows in cow poop. Cow poop. So, like, Homo erectus back then, they're, like... When they're, like, in the process of domesticating wild cattle and, like, they're following them around trying to, like, control the wild cattle species, they'd notice their cow poop and there's, like, some fucking mushroom going out of it. And according to the theory by McKenna, which I love and I subscribe to 100%, some motherfucker probably, like, just grabbed a, you know, mushroom and he, like, ate it and then he's like, holy shit, guys. <laughs> that looks like the other kind of mushrooms yeah. I eat. And it's, like, it's different than everything else. So... It's not, it's like if we, you can suspend your disbelief for a second. It's not like illogical to assume that because of a stress and because of wild cattle that were like, you know, domesticated and stuff, somebody came upon it and ate it and it did elevate their consciousness. And there's actually scientific, not proof, but like there are open questions that are not answered. So his theory was proposed in 1990s. Um, ever since then, it wasn't taken seriously, except if you look on subreddits for like conspiracy and all that stuff and psychedelics. Um, but back in April 2017, there's a man, and I love that man to death. His name is Dr. Paul Stamets. We look up his interview with uh, Joe Rogan. Amazing interview. This is the guy with the with the mushroom hat? With Yo, the mushroom. I couldn't stop laughing, bro, because like, he's there. He's talking about mushrooms while he wears a mushroom hat. <laughs> yeah, man. And he owns mushrooms.com. And I'm just like, bro, Dude. this is fucking hilarious. Bro, not only that, but like, so, he's, so he has on a brand. fucking mushroom hat on. <laughs> bro, he's the mushroom man. He's the, he's the, yo, he's, he's the mushroom man. By the I way, was, we're not talking about like a hat with like a graphic of a mushroom on it. Right. No, no, it was a hat <laughs> made of a mushroom. Made made of a mushroom. Like a yeah. Mario Brothers like, hat. Yeah, with it was like, a. Yeah, yeah, it was a literal fucking toadstool. Like yeah. he he he's dude wearing a fucking mushroom hat talking about mushrooms are good for you. Yeah. And he also he's the leading mycologist in America and mycologist the study of mushrooms. So yeah. go figure. I wonder how 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 the, how tight that field yeah. is. Like how many people are in that field? Like how many people uh, like I bet their conferences are the shit. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> trippy. Like they go to Amsterdam and they have their conferences there. <laughs> But yeah, he proposed, he said like 200,000 years ago, our brain size doubled and we don't know why. The doubling of the brain size can, he's like, it's up for debate. Anthropologists agree that our brain size has doubled and we don't know why it doubled. But like he, he, he's attributing it back to Terence McKenna's, you know, theory about the, the consumption of psilocybin mushroom might have led to that. And the reason for that is if you look at psilocybin mushroom, what it does is like there's a process a process that Dr. Samish talked about called neurogenesis. Neurogenesis is basically the creation of new neurons in your brain. And that can that's historically like, you know, when you take psilocybin, it actually develops neurons in your brain, not all over your brain, but specific parts of your brain that would be attributed to like better memory and all that stuff. And that's basically it. You know, if like if you've ever taken psilocybin mushroom and you're like you've seen stuff on it, like, you know, you're on a vision quest and stuff, you you sort of can like subscribe to that idea in a way. Yeah, totally. So there was also another test that I looked up. Um, that was about uh, that was fMRI scans on 15 people uh, on a placebo and with psilocybin. And when they do these tests, you, you could probably type them in. If you just type in psilocybin fMRI scan, you'll, you'll you'll find it. So there are these images, uh, and they compared the scans of these brain of the brain activity. 
So normal brains have a well-ordered correlation state. Uh, that changes when you introduce psilocybin. Suddenly, all the networks are cross-linking with each other, and not randomly. New types of order emerge between all the networks. So it's greater communication across the whole brain. And that's our homo sapien developed brains that mm -hmm. have been taught with you know, school and they've been put through exercises of mental training. Imagine like a primitive brain and like what that would have done to mm -hmm. a primitive brain. Like everything all of a sudden just like clicks online and like everything connects and you have communication between different parts of the brain that are like right. kind of independent of each other uh, much more than ever before. And are there studies it? then of like psilocybin effects on close relatives or animals that Animal. have like higher, High, higher yes. you know, like neurological function, like chimpanzees, dolphins, it's, things I, like I, that. It's hard, you know? to, it's hard to measure neurological function in terms of like animals, like, oh, are they smarter? Or stuff? Well, at least but, like, in terms of the yeah, connectivity. Yes. That, yes. I feel like these, the all these tests are pretty new because it's like, yes. you know, it was pretty taboo like for a long time. True. Yeah. So like a lot of these are like, there's a lot of uncharted territory right. with mm. this. However, I will say, all right, so I have one anecdote about animals. I like this. Okay, so <laughs> it's not psilocybin, but um, a friend of mine has a dog, and we mm. went out one night, and he left his backpack open. Inside of his backpack um, were edibles. Nice. <laughs> okay, so this dog, who was always kind of a, like a, a very aggressive kind of issues, right? Like he didn't trust people. Uh, so it got into this stuff. Not it wasn't chocolate, by the way. So don't worry, his health was not at risk. We looked it up and we we're like, "Oh shit! Like, what's gonna happen? Is he gonna die?" You look it up and it's like, "There's no danger as long as there's no chocolate. Like, right. it's not gonna harm a dog to eat weed." But it's it is concerning if you're the dog owner. Ever since that happened, he did not distrust strangers anymore. And I know this sounds like weird anecdote, and anecdote isn't data. I get it, but I'm telling you, man, like that really, like I, I, I was it. almost I like, it. like I would never do this because I wouldn't want to harm a dog. But like, there might be someone who should look into this. Do they get contact high? <laughs> Dogs get contact high. I hear it happens through their ears. Really. Something look. So, so I don't do this stuff because I love dogs. But apparently, if you want to try to get a dog high, apparently you blow it into their ears. Not their nose. Not their nose. What? That's dope. So the stone date. So the psilocybin starts expanding people's neuron neuron uh, neurogenesis. neural passageways. Like neural passageway, more neuron connections develop and stuff. Yeah, neurogenesis. And this is what got us to start thinking about rockets and shit. Eventually, yes. So. Where, so the proof for this is just what? Like these new tests where it's expanding it? Like where the fuck did the this doubling guy, of did the McKenna brain, even the get this from? So like one thing I'm kind of like reluctant to, like why I'm reluctant to believe this theory is that like Homo erectus, as far as we know, is our, uh, is like one step kind of like behind us evolutionarily, right? As uh, For like the Homo right. um, genus. Oh. Yeah. And then before that, there were other species as well like homo halibus and uh australopithecus or something like that um, which ones were the pygmy humans those are my favorite ones I, I there's think, a brand uh, i think i think that's like a different okay I, I don't think they were sapiens i think they're they like were denisovans and they're the different like species yeah regardless like the older we get we find that their brain size i mean i don't know obviously they're the like the neurological connections within their brain, but at least the brain size is roughly like about that. Like they doubled or maybe like grew some certain mm -hmm. large percentage with each uh, evolution, if you right. will, of species. So like the jump from Homo erectus to Homo sapiens and like doubling of the brain size, 
I'm kind of hesitant, well, you know, to like jump on that train of believing that psilocybins uh, are you know responsible for that. Well, I mean, maybe not fully psilocybin, but there should be like, I mean, I believe an element of it would have like some sort of impact on the brain and stuff. Right. But like, okay, so well, I'll, just to like finish that point off, like, but I, I want to add for to the that brain point. size yeah. thing. I, I'm hesitant to believe that, but brain sized isn't necessarily the only indication of intelligence. So yeah, definitely, whales got big ass brains. Yeah. So so maybe that's an argument then. Like maybe not just the size, but <laughs> maybe not just the size, but like you know how well all those different networks can connect. Yeah. And yeah. and you and you, I'm gonna try to win you over here, Brian. You Is can that study you can right now, though. Well, the, yeah, that you know? that actually that that's you know, a great question. You know how epigenetics work. Uh, so basically, not, like no. there are different genetic uh, traits that can kind of be activated depending on like how your life is led. So, for example, mm. if as a baby you're starving, right, 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 you're going to as an adult retain food. Like if you eat normal diet, yeah. you're going to get fat, right, right. Yeah. So there, there are these kind of traits that. Uh, so there are like hereditary ones, then there are like epigenetic ones. Oh, like, or sorry, they're genetic, and then there's epigenetic ones that kind of like... Uh, induced by environmental factors, stress factors, things right. like that. So if yeah. you think of it like that, you could imagine that the ones who had this uh, kind of spark ignite in their brains, um, how like epigenetically, they their uh, children and children's children were, so the, were, were maybe a little, just a little smarter. And so were the able inherited to kind of, thing was this activated gene, if could, you will, could gene expression. A gene expression. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. So it, the gene uh, expression uh, based upon like this kind of jump in the neural network right. that could maybe affect the next generation, the next generation, next generation. So I suppose could then, be like, like crack babies. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, so like, I guess like the real evidence then would be like if bomb. there's a way to verify that there was a gene that was expressed as a result of consuming psil uh, psilocybin, that probably like pretty much prove the theory. That's yeah, like, right. Yeah. So yes. The thing is, there's no data to prove that theory, but there's no right. data to prove any other theory of why we develop consciousness. So the only issue with that theory, in my opinion, is that you subscribe. No, you're pinpointing one at one reason for why consciousness happens. Like the only reason would be like psychedelic. People take psychedelic, you develop consciousness. That's what consciousness is. So like based on that theory, we should like for a robot, we should get, get them high and that's it. <laughs> that, yeah, so by, yeah. That, by that logic. Sure. Yeah, by that logic, right? But like, sure. so, I mean, I, I subscribe to the psilocybin, you know, ancestor to psilocybin, but I don't I think it's the only attributing factor. I think it's just like, think of it as, you know, taking a Red Bull, like taking some boost. And it's just like, it, you know, I just think like, it's not out of the question for somebody yeah. to stumble upon mushrooms and eat it, you know? Mm, so, okay, so what are we doing with this Stone Ape theory? We think it's, it's legit. It's like, hell yeah. Yeah, I think I'm still hesitating on it because I really feel like it only grows on cow dung, though. Yeah, <laughs> but no, that's how, not, how many anymore, cows not anymore. Were there in you the can, world? You can grow it on and your especially, own. Especially, and this is pre-herding. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah, so it's like you have to like follow around cows Wild for that long. Right, man. So aurochs, right? So I think that's what they were. Hallucinogenics don't just grow out of cow dung, but psilocybin. I, I I guess I'm not sure on this, okay. but I, I think psilocybin might. However, oh, so like the theory is not limited to just the magic. I'm shrooms. not. I, yeah, I don't think so. Stoned ape theory, like that's like no, maybe it's, the strongest. It's like psilocybin, though. 
It's not a LSD because what's the other psychedelic we have? LSD and uh, MDMA, but no, but I mean like pe- peyote. Peyote grows ones, off right? of flowers, off of cacti. Right. So anywhere with uh, cacti would have right. those flowers, and if someone ate that, sure. like it could it could induce a similar and maybe type. Maybe there's of some extinct plants. But that's not ayahuasca. Cacti, right? Oh yeah. Ayahuasca, ayahuasca does not grow out of cow dung. Right. So you know these are all kind of ma- mind expanding drugs and like. I think the thing with psilocybin is it's like it's very pure, right? right? Like that's it, the it, psilocybin is like okay, so the, like so Terence McKenna Stone Eight theory only relates to the evolution of Homo erectus to Homo sapien using psilocybin that grew on cow dung. Because oh of yeah, so I'm out on that. Yeah. I think I might be able to believe some of like some combination of of factors because I I just can't attribute consciousness to psilocybins. I think it d- does expand your consciousness. I don't think it defines your consciousness. It's not like you didn't have a consciousness and then you had one. It's, but I yeah. do. That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. It's not like because by that logic, then animals don't have a consciousness, and that's false. Right. Dogs because, definitely do. As, yeah. As uh, Alex's anecdote. But like. Yeah. But proved. like, what I do subscribe to is I do think it does help somebody from going from an animal mind to actually being more having more imagination and you know speaking in more coherent sentences and like writing and stuff i don't think it's the only cause but i did think it does help in terms of that kind of level of consciousness the expansion of consciousness i think it's like a match like you have all the things were there and the human brain had like grown to become good at hunting and good at organizing and good at all these good at communication and then like you know so you have all the tinder and then you have the match that kind of like or the kindling and then you have the match that kind of like takes what's there and like like skyrockets right. it to its full potential. Like that's the way I'd look at it. Mm. All right, that's fair. If anything, it no. just accelerated it. it. It's a great talking point. Um, it's a great theory to get behind. But I think that in a few years, it will go by the way of the aquatic apes. Like that was a fun theory. Like in the eighties, where we evolved from this aquatic ape animal thing and pretty much now that shit is just kind of like just fun science yeah. uh but and i think that this will go the way of that i also think it's just like kind of unprovable to to a point like yeah even if you have evidence to suggest that it works now it doesn't mean that's how it worked back then yes but how do you feel brian well it's a no for me <laughs> yeah that's pop it's just popular i have a question did any of you guys ever do mushrooms yes no. yes and no no that explained Brian's no. I've done it. That doesn't explain your no. What do you mean? Like, I mean, like, why? why I think it's popular. Did you I experience mean, you... a shift in the way you think yeah. after doing it? No. Really? Like, I, I, I don't really. Like, Edgar it, was always woke. I was, it was fun. <laughs> like, it was a lot of fun. Like, yeah. it was cool. Like, I, I like, get why people like to do it. But I don't think that I came back from it with, like, any higher knowledge or any kind of, like, supplemental understanding. Emotional, emotional feelings after it. It was just regular. It was like, oh, that was fun. All right, cool. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like... It was it was cool, man. Yeah. Like, it, but that's what makes it a popular thing for me. I feel like that uh, those hard drugs right. um, have become less hard right. over the years. Like, let's say, uh, like LSD and and mushrooms, right. soft as fuck. Uh, yeah, like fucking DMT. Like those have become yeah. much much less 
scrutinized. Right. Like they, those, like they've They're become cool. kind of like cooler now. Yeah. And I think that along with that, you have theories like this that make those drugs sound even cooler. You know what I mean? Because it's like if you're talking about taking mushrooms or doing hallucinogens, like the peyote or the right. ayahuasca or ayahuasca. Yeah, like all those things have become wildly popular. Right. And I think that along with those things, you take this kind of like fringe science theory. And you throw it into the mix, into the bag, and it's like, yo, this has some some things that make sense, and like they're found, they're not completely, f they're not dog shit. Right. So it's like it's easy it's to subscribe shit. to them. It's captivating, yeah. you know what I mean? It's cow shit. Cow shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very captivating, and I think Bullshit. that it's it's an easy kind of thing to to get behind. But by that, I still feel like it's just popular. I don't think it's a true like conspiracy. Fair point. Fair point. I subscribe to the theory. I don't think it's the single factor. Yeah. And like how we evolved, but like I think it did contribute. I, I don't think it's just you know unbelievable for like Homo erectus. So is the theory <laughs> that it contributed to um, development? Okay, and it wasn't like a cause, right? Yeah, I get. So the way I have kind of read it is like it just allowed like kind of like a, a sudden advancement. Okay, not not leap. like yeah, we would have been jump. fucked if it never happened, right. but then yeah. maybe it just kind of like jumped us forward a little bit. Yeah. What's your take, Alex? I'm a hard yes. Wow. I'm yeah. a believer. So if we're 50-50 on this, just like with the simulation, I will uh, add one more little anecdote just to try to win you guys over. Do you know the baseball player, Doc Ellis? Oh, yes. I've, I've, I've heard the story. Okay. So apparently 47 years ago, Doc Ellis threw his only no-hitter while he was high on acid. Sometimes people can perform better when their brain, when all the networks connect together. Oh. So I'm just gonna say I, that I can buy into that. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> no, can I? Well, I mean, based on that story, can I add a personal story? Sure. Please do. Yeah. Did you pitch I'm, a no hitter too? No. I, first of all, he pitched I'm, a no, a no no hitter. So first of all, I grew up in Canada, so I don't know what the fuck a no hitter is. <laughs> like but, you uh, basically shut out all the yeah. all the uh, in baseball. Right. The guys don't get to hit because uh, we you play hockey up north. Game. I don't know, but okay. So for me, it was just like once I dropped it, acid and. I played pool after with my sober friend, and I defeated them in pool. And I, I, I really suck in pool, but like they just, I saw geometric shapes all over and stuff, and I was like, like Man. in a beautiful mind, even more beautiful. Yes. I'm not gonna say when this happened, but the last time I did one of these things, it cured a horrible back knot that I had. I Yesterday. woke up the next day. No. <laughs> I'd be much less useful right now. <laughs> Which there are downsides to doing that stuff for sure the next day. But yeah, I, I, I woke up the next day and like I had had lower back pain and then I didn't. So I just, I, I have a very favorable view of, of these. Th I don't think we understand them and I don't right. think we found the right way to like deliver them in mm. a safe way because they have like horrible hangovers. So it's, it's not very clean, but uh, it, it, there's benefits to it. Yeah. Mm. Listen, I'm all for taking them. I'm, like they're great party favors. I just don't think that they contributed to the consciousness of humanity. Okay, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Well, so that so that wraps up like the Stone Ape, and I guess like two of us are going that it's pop. It's just popular. Two of us are going full conspiracy on it. Um, but there's really only one thing left for the listeners, and it's it, it's a question that they all have to search internally and ask themselves: Do dogs dream?